Welcome to Sega Saturn Shiro, the only podcast that brings you your favorite waifus. This time we have a very special episode, talking with the team behind the Sakura Wars English Translation Patch. To start off, we'd like to introduce our guests tonight. Please welcome Trekkies Unite behind not only the Sakura Wars translation, but Grania translation as well. We have a two-for-one tonight on that one. Noah Steam, Crouching Mouse, CJ Iricora, and Bull of Lentils. Welcome, guys. Hey, good to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yep, thanks. Yeah, it's great to have you guys on. We've, we've been talking about you guys, talking about translation progress, retweeting your progress, tweeting the cool videos you guys are making, and uh, of course, seeing your names in, uh, in our videos and shouting you out in our latest video we did on YouTube. So it's great to finally be able to talk with you guys in person. So to, uh, to start off, could you uh, tell us a little about your backgrounds and roles on the projects? Sure. Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, I'm a programmer professionally. I've been doing it for a long time. And before this, I worked on Dragon Force 2, the translation patch for that. With this one, you know, I kind of started from scratch. And uh, it, it all started when a friend of mine basically went to Tokyo about two years ago and, you know, picked up a copy of Sakura Wars for the Saturn. And he brought it back, showed me. I was like, oh, it's so cool. You know, I've heard about this game. Don't really know what it's about. And, you know, he put it on. And I was just like, you know what? I wonder if there's a patch for this, like a translation patch. So I went online, looked, and unfortunately there was not one. So, and I, I saw that there were some projects that had like attempted it, but like nothing had ever come out and no one had attempted it on the Saturn anyways. I, I know, I know Claire and I were big fans of it and we always lamented that. I was like, oh, we really want to play this game, but we can never get it. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you know, back in the day, I was a big Saturn fan, and this was one of the games that I had heard of that, you know, it wasn't coming out into the West, but I knew that it was super popular out there. So, you know, it was just another one of those titles where I was like, oh, you know, we're missing out here. So anyways, I started looking at, into the data. I was like, oh, you know, I wonder how far I could get into this. So I started looking at the data, and I didn't think I was actually going to do it, you know, like do the actual patch. But the more I looked into it, the more you know, interesting it was. And uh, at some point, it was just kind of like a technical challenge for myself. And eventually, when I figured out how to extract and patch the text, like the main dialogue text of all the story, uh, that was like the big breakthrough. And I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to do this now. So I kind of was leading the project. It was just basically myself for quite a while. And my original plan was to just, you know, use the translation from GameFAQs and just stub it into the game. Just, you know, myself but once i actually extracted all the text and realized that there are branching paths in here i realized that wasn't going to be possible so then i started looking for translators and that was actually pretty difficult i had no idea how to find you know translators yeah there's not really like, like a craigslist or a sort of jobbing.com website specifically for translators for a free saturn project <laughs> yeah exactly I mean, I had looked on, you know, romhacking.net and on Twitter with limited success. And eventually I reached out to someone from the Dragon Force project because he had actually managed to make, uh, like, gather up, like, a small army of translators for that game. So he was the one who actually got me in touch with Crouching Mouse and several other translators. Uh, so that kind of, like, kickstarted the project. Anyways, like, a little more than a year after that, CJ actually reached out to me on Twitter. He was, because uh, I guess he finally saw that I was doing it on, on Saturn. He's like, hey, you know, we've been working on this too. So, you know, maybe you're doing a bunch of duplicate work. So then, you know, it seemed like his team, uh, it seemed like he just, he had like two translators with him and they had managed to translate 
a good portion of the game at that point. Whereas we were, I think, about halfway through the script. They were further than that, right? So I was like, oh, okay, great. So we'll just use your English text. You know, I'll use my tools to insert into the game. But, you know, meanwhile, I was also doing like all the other technical stuff that was required to actually get the game running, like the menus and the battle menus and you know, everything in the battles. And, and then eventually when we were far enough, then CJ was also doing the editing. But basically I was leading the Saturn project. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear that background. I always want to know how you guys sort of came together on that. I'd like to move on to Trekkies. How did you get involved in the, the project? Well, to be honest, I kind of saw they were doing it, and I had been struggling with Grandia's FMVs for quite a while. So I was like, oh, I wonder if they've translated their FMVs and how they went about doing it. So I kind of poked a little bit to get some information to see how they had handled it and realized they weren't going to do anything because they didn't know how. So I offered to see if I could take a look at them and see if I could add subtitles to them. And then just from there, after I got subtitles added and other things started popping up, I offered to help here and there where I could. How about you, uh, Crouching Mouse? um, Like Noah mentioned earlier, I was kind of scouted for the project. I was looking for volunteer translation work to do because I want to go into translation work professionally about a year or so ago or whenever it was. I guess it was 2018. I didn't have any professional work yet. So I was signing up for like sites that let you do like volunteer projects and stuff just to get some practice in. So yeah, I signed up for one of these sites and I just didn't think about it for a while. And then I got an email from the guy who was helping Noah. And he was like, hey, do you want to help us translate Soccer Wars? And I was like, yeah, sure. Because <laughs> I'd heard about the game before and I thought I, I tried playing it a while back, but my computer at the time wasn't powerful enough so it was kind of a shame but yeah i was really excited to actually be able to interact with it in a meaningful way yeah and you also did the the voiceover on the video that you posted the trailer for it correct i did that was just kind of like a fun side thing we were working on we were like discussing like oh what should we say and i was like oh maybe i could try it out too and they really liked my take on it so i guess it ended up being me <laughs> nice what about you bowl of lentils uh, yeah, so I didn't have a lot of experience working in ROM hacking like a lot of other people on the project. I've kind of just been a longtime fan of the series. Like my brother bought a copy of Soccer Wars So Long My Love for the PlayStation 2 back in like 2010, which is the only entry in the series that ever got officially localized. And we kind of bought it as a joke because it's like, oh, this is going to be like maybe the last notable PlayStation 2 game to ever be released. And then we ended up getting like way more into it than we thought we were. We'd it was so fun and cheesy and like goofy and there wasn't a lot of games in 2010 that had like dating elements and things like that so we got like really into it and thought it was just really goofy and fun and then after we finished that we actually said well there's four more games in the series before this so let's download the text translation guides that are on game faq and like see if we can work our way through the other games so we played so long my love then soccer wars 3 then one, then two, then four, I think it was. We kind of made our way through the series like that. And I had just been a fan for a long time, and I had actually been following CJ's progress on the translation for the PC version. I was just poking around on romhacking.net one day, and I saw that there was a new forum post in the Help Wanted section, and Noah had posted some in-progress screenshots there. And I think I might have been the first person to respond on that thread, just wishing you good luck on the project and stuff. And since then, I had just been kind of following the project kind of casually, and then I noticed on Twitter that they were looking for beta testers, or I think CJ had posted something on Twitter about looking for beta testers. 
And so I just PM'd Noah on romhacking.net and saying, hey, you know, I'd like to do some beta testing on the project because I'm a big fan of the series and stuff. Then I started out as a tester. He like responded like a few months later when they started testing. Started out as a tester, and then I eventually started pointing out some things in the script that maybe needed some fixing. And then they gave me access to the Google Doc, and I've also been editing on the project too. Just mainly doing spot checks and making sure that terminology is consistent and stuff. Nice. It must have it must have been nice going from the going from the guys to actually playing a game without it, like actually in English. Because I know that was my biggest issue with Sakura Wars games with the guys. I always had issues with it because like I have to hold my phone or get a computer to print out like hundreds of pages to be able to get through it. Definitely. Like one of the <laughs> one of the benefits of having a lot of brothers is that my youngest brother basically played the game on the Dreamcast and then me and my other brother would have like the laptop with a guide there and we'd basically just be reading off the lines as we went through the game. So like my brother who was playing the game, I think he voiced Ogami and then me and my other brother would basically do everybody else. So it was a lot easier to get through the game that way since we had people reading it as someone else played kind of thing. Man, I wish I was there like a fly on the wall for that. That sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. If you want to know what my brother sounded like doing the voice of Ogami, it sounded a little bit like Crouching Mouse's husband on his stream that he did of the translation. <laughs> like very much like a, oh, hey guys, how you doing? Like, kind of <laughs> voice. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, how long have each of you been working in the translation scene? I know that Noah said he did some work on Dragon Force and Trekkies, of course, did some work on Grandia, but is there... Is, is that a scene you've been in for quite a while or something that you just hopped into? Uh, yeah, I think Dragon Force 2 was my first project that I, I worked on. And honestly, I had like no idea how patching ROMs or ROM hacking or any of that stuff works at that point. I had actually just gone to the forum for, you know, the fan project to see, is this game, you know, is this patch done yet? Because I've been following it forever. Um, they were working on that for a long time. You know, it wasn't done, so... I had reached out like, hey, you know, I, I don't know any Japanese, but I'm a programmer, so if you need any tech help, maybe I might be able to help. So, and that was in 2015 or something like that. So yeah, that's kind of when I started. That was some great experience. I I think if I had not done that, I could not have done this. Just knowing how to even create a patched image that really helped. So yeah, that's kind of where I started. That that's fascinating. I always wanted to do Saturn programming and specifically assembly. I'm always really bad at assembly. I did some in school and yikes. I guess for those who don't know assembly, it's like three commands each usually, like add, subtract, a jump to commands. And that's a huge line compared to sort of the, the more robust object-oriented stuff we have today where it's multi-lines and multi-variable. Yeah, usually with assembly, you just have like, you know, a command and then a register or a number or something like that. Like, so move R1, comma R2. Whereas... You know, in a higher level language, you might just do R1 equals R2. It's more readable. Yeah, so like with me, my programming foundation is mostly in Java. So for me, it's been a real learning experience with Grandia and Sakura Wars with uh, learning assembly and that for me. I gotcha. So speaking of that, what uh, what was your first experiences in the translation scene, Trekkies? Was uh, Uh, sort of Grandia your first approach or your first... Back around 2013, I poked around in Lunar Silver Star Story on the Saturn, and I kind of started the same way I started with Grandy, where I was just comparing the Japanese Saturn to the English PlayStation just to try and kind of see how similar they were. I didn't really get very far. I kind of learned a bit about like where like the audio was stored, how where roughly I thought the text was in that. 
but part of the problem back then was Mednafen I don't think existed yet. SSF was the only Saturn emulator that really worked reliably and it didn't have a debugger. The Yabos and its branches didn't even run the game. Like they'd crash horrifically when you tried to press start. So really you couldn't make a whole lot of progress on it. So uh, I kind of put that on hold for a bit and I think Miss T has kind of picked up the torch and has run with that now. So back around 2018, I started uh, poking around in Grandia doing the same thing, looking back and forth. And with that, I kind of just got really stupid lucky in that the PlayStation and the Saturn versions are very, very, very similar in their file formats. It's pretty much just Endian difference. PlayStation's Little Endian and Saturn's Big Endian. So I was able to write a program in Java that could just kind of convert the scripts back and forth between the formats relatively successfully. And then it was basically just needed to go in and then do a, a bunch of quick fixes here and there, which anyone who's been playing the beta probably knows every now and then it would just crash horribly. And that's one of those areas where you need to go in and do a spot check and fix. Yeah, that's weird. It never crashed on me once. I guess I got lucky. Yeah, I remember when, when Sam and I were like going back and forth getting that beta one patched. I know we ran into, I think we found an issue that we reported to you where it's like it'd load up on the Saturn and instantly crash or crash after a scene or something. Yeah, that was a very early bug that had kind of reintroduced itself. But yeah, it was basically the PlayStation version, the scripting engine for it is a little bit more polished than the Saturn version just because it's newer. So there's additional codes in there for pauses and that to say, like, I want you to pause a little bit longer this time where it breaks up for doing the audio in different ways. So every now and then one of those codes the Saturn will get and it doesn't know what to do with itself and it just craps itself. What about the, what about you, Crash? I think you mentioned that... Uh... Uh, I'm guessing Sakura Wars was your first translation project in terms of the Saturn. Yeah, um, yeah, this is actually my very first fan translation patch. So it's kind of a big project to get started on. And actually, yeah, so at the time I was looking for like, volunteer stuff to do. So this kind of fit the bill. Like currently I am doing like a professional translation. I finally, you know, got kind of a job doing that. So that was cool. And Right now I'm working on manga, but I, what I'd really like to get into is video games. Um, that's sort of like my passion because I've been gaming since I was a little kid. I wanted to try to get more fan translation experience with video games to try to get some experience for that just in case I could ever find a job doing that. But yeah, this is the first one I've done. <laughs> that's pretty cool. How about you, Lentils? Yeah, so um, I don't have a whole lot of experience in the ROM hacking community. I did help a bit with the Tenkai Machio Zero translation. I had been following that project on romhacking.net for a while. And Tom Tom was trying to re-resurrect uh, the project. He was the translator on the project. And he was looking for a hacker that could help him out. And I had previously been helping out doing some open beta testing for the Genealogy of the Holy Wars patch, the Fire Emblem game on the Super Nintendo. And uh, the hacker that was working on that was a guy named DDS Translations. And I thought, oh man, he'd probably, he'd probably do really well. <laughs> I think he would be perfect for Tenkai Machio Zero and helping out Tom here. So I ended up PMing DDS Translation and told him about the project. And then that kind of worked into me sort of doing some beta testing on the project. Uh, unfortunately, I was never able to actually finish the game and I kind of had to leave. So most of my work is kind of helping to edit the English manual for the game. But that's kind of basically my only uh, experience in ROM hacking. I'm more of like a, I kind of edit like a lot of Giant Bomb wiki sites, but um, it's the wiki page on Giant Bomb, not a Giant Bomb wiki page. <laughs> but... oh, the, oh, the Wikipedia page. Oh. Yeah, like they like Giant Bomb has their own video game Wikipedia kind of variant that 
that I work on a lot, mainly just writing up little articles about obscure companies like Microcabin and stuff. I gotcha. So CJ, can you tell me a little bit about your experience in the translation scene? Um, so my first exposure to it was there was a game called Castle Shikigami, a.k.a. Shikigami no Shiro. It got localized, and I put this in quotes, as Mobile Light Force 2. Oh, we had a huge discussion on that on the couple podcasts ago and how crazy that was, especially with yeah. the, the gun bird. It's like, guess what the first yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah the box Mobile art. Light Force 1 is Gunbird. Mobile Light Force 2 is Castle Shikigami. And they yeah, use the same right. cover for both of them. So yeah, they they totally cut out all the script. They had no story in it. They just put the characters, boss fights at the end. And this and Shikigami Two got a proper localization, but it was bad translation, bad grammar. People off the street did the voice acting. So I wanted to bring the first game out and keep the story. So I went to RomHacking.net and said, "Hey, I'm a big fan of Castle Shikigami. I want to see this game get a proper localization. Is anyone interested in helping me out?" And Esper Knight approached. And said, hey, you know, I've never done it, but we'll figure it out. So we did the PC version. That's the very, very short version So of how we did it before it got localized on Steam somehow. Nice. Yeah, and I know before you said the Sakura Wars PC translation, correct? Yeah, originally we were going to do that on PC. We found out about it at RPG Fan. Someone mentioned that there was a Russian version. And it was like, hey, why don't we make that an English version since a lot of the work's already been done. And it was a good idea and... Theory and execution, not so much, because it was basically Windows XP, and it ran like garbage on modern platforms. So we just, you know, we were, we were just been sitting on it, sitting on it. Then I found out, no, it was doing the Saturn version. It's like, why don't we just do that instead? And it turned out to be much, much easier. That's actually kind of surprising, because usually people say the opposite, where the PC version is a lot easier than the Saturn version, as Saturn's always infamous for being so hard to work on. You would think, but when you start getting into outdated hardware and Windows XP and compatibility, whereas emulation, you can always tweak it. So yeah, sign me up for emulation. Yeah, <laughs> Windows 10 kind of tanks everything, all the old stuff. Yeah, I tried to get Sacro Wars PC running on my Windows 10. You can forget it. Just oh yeah, lost cause. Why Sakura Wars? Were there other games that were up for translation when you guys were talking about what to do? And kind of why was Sakura Wars ultimately chosen? What was the allure? There wasn't any other game. This was just kind of like a whim, you know, like on the whim kind of thing for me. You know, a friend got the game and I was like, hey, I want to play this in English. I wonder if there's any patch out there. And it turns out there wasn't. So I just decided to do it myself. And that's really all it was, at least on the Saturn. That's how it started for me. Uh, Trekkies and any, anyone else down the line, did you guys have any games that you were wanting to translate before Sakura Wars, or was this pretty much it when the project got started? There's been games that we've been kicking on and off. Like We're still trying to do Shadowrun for the Sega CD, which is very uncharted territory because the Sega CD wow. is pretty difficult, and it's already kind of an obscure game. It's still something we're doing, but like it's that's probably what I'm going to try to go back to now that Sakura Wars is done, so... I guess right now that's my white whale. That would be cool. Also glad to see another Shikigami no Shiro fan up in here. Yeah, no, that game is amazing. I love it. I just wish it was cheaper on the Dreamcast. I've only ever played the Japanese version on Dreamcast, and it definitely sounds like I'm not missing out on much. Or maybe I am. That I, that sounds kind of funny. Uh, we'll look at you guys, you know, spherical brilliance cluster cannon. 
You think they're you think maybe they're talking about they're talking about like area of effect or something? No, it was like it, spherical so What that one was was I was doing the subtitles and I got that and I looked at them like this can't be right. This can't be right. There's something wrong here. So I started talking with, uh, I think it was Crouching Mouse and Bola Lentils. We were in there going back and forth with it. And we were listening and listening and listening to what the guy was saying, trying to figure out what he was saying. And it turned out he was saying 93 centimeter cannon or 93 caliber cannon. Oh. Oh, something like that. Because of how he said it, it kind of sounded like the beginning of what whatever spherical is in Japanese. And then... Uh he mumbled kind of a little bit towards the end. So it was just whoever did the original pastor just said spherical something. I don't know. And that's just kind of what we got. <laughs> I remember oh, yeah. for the, I remember for the spherical cannon line, we were even like breaking out the soccer wars art book to look up the technical details of the ship to see if they said anything about what the name of the cannon was and stuff. It was a big process. Yeah. It's, it's a pain though. Cause I know some of those names, some of the names, especially and some of the animes are really, really dumb. So sometimes spherical cannon might be the right might be the right answer you're looking for. Yeah, like considering some of the crazy stuff that goes on in the game, it's not too far out of the realm of possibility. But it just didn't quite fit in the situation because it's just like it's just a normal gun. It's just really big. Yeah, it's just a big old gun. Well, I know. I know what you mean, though. Like uh, I studied Japanese a little bit, and all of the language examples that you would get would be these like really clean cut and dry you know japanese voices whenever you get like that like regional dialect kind of thing or some some actor that does like a kind of like a voice it's really hard to discern what they're saying you know even even to yeah. guess at it you know it's so hard i remember this one early part of the game i think it's like the end of the first chapter like they go out on a picnic and like Sumire gets super drunk and she's slurring her words like crazy. And like me and a couple other translators were like, what the heck is she saying? <laughs> like it was even written like that. So we could not figure it out. <laughs> so for like in, in terms of actually working with the Saturn, was that, was that difficult in today's day and age? And you know, is patching ROMs for the Saturn very different from, you know, maybe patching for another platform? Is it difficult to work on the Saturn? Yes and no. No, in that it's actually really well documented. Uh, like, you know, all the original Sega documents, like the, the tech documents are actually out there. So, you know, when I started this, the first thing I did, I read through like 400 pages of the VDP-1 doc of just how that thing works. Wow. Um, so I could figure out, you know, the image formats and the palette formats and the color formats and all that stuff, just and the um, rendering commands, so that I could know how the thing works, right? Because I, when I did Dragon Force Two, I didn't really have to do any of that. Um, so this was all new to me. So that sounds kind of boring to a non-tech person, but for me, is actually pretty cool. Anyways, uh, that and the fact that. The emulation scene on the Saturn is actually really good, despite what people might think. It's come a long way. Yes, uh, certainly. Like when I was working on Dragon Force 2, again, I don't know if Mendefin was out there yet. And, you know, we, we kind of ran into the same issues that Trekkies was mentioning where SSF worked, but it had no debugger. And Yabose, or however you pronounce that, it um, would crash anytime like there were too many characters on the screen at once, which happens all the time right so it was difficult but with this one thankfully the game actually ran really well on 
pretty much all the emulators. So when I was debugging it, I didn't have any issues with it. And, and the debugger that they have for that thing is, is amazing. You know, it's, it's almost like a professionally developed tool. So it was, it was really nice. And, you know, kind of like once you figure out how the Saturn actually works, like how the different processes works and how the VDP one works, this game didn't really use the VDP two all that much. And for most things, it uses VDP one. And I was, after having worked with it and after having basically scoured the whole documentation with that thing, I was pretty familiar with it. As far as patching it goes, I don't know how difficult it is or how similar it is to like a PlayStation game um, because I've only ever worked on Saturn. It's not bad. Um, once you kind of know the basics, like, you know, you need this, you need this, you're the tools you need, and this is what you do. It's it's really not that difficult. I wonder if a lot of that documentation ended up coming along sort of later in the Saturn's life because in speaking to some of the folks who were there, you know, right at day one, what they're telling us is that the documentation was crap and it was really difficult to figure it out. But, you know, as time went on, I'm sure that that improved immensely. So the stuff that's out there, it's dated anywhere from like 95 up to 97, I think. Some of it is good, but part of the problem with it is it's translated from Japanese, some places very poorly. To be honest, I didn't run into too much of that stuff. There were times when I did run into it, and I just figured I wasn't understanding it properly. I'm like, oh, I, I don't know what the heck they're talking about here, but maybe I'm just not understanding it. And But stepping into like the debugger in Yabosa and just looking, for example, at let's look at the VDP1 memory and, and see how it's laid out. For the most part, it correlated almost exactly to what I was seeing in the documentation, right? And in other parts, too, like just... Then when I was looking, you know, stepping through the assembly code and seeing what they're doing, I was like, yeah, okay, I can see what they're doing based off the docs. So even though the documentation isn't perfect, you know, it, it's good enough. I think if you're developing a game from scratch for the Saturn, that's when you're really going to run into some problems because you're not really going to know. Um, yeah, it's definitely one of those things where, like, for doing ROM hacking in that, it's kind of hard to screw up the memory map when you're translating from Japanese to English, whereas saying like the intricacies of how like VDP one does transparencies with VDP two, that can really get screwed up. I'm curious just to interject here. How, how long Noah, did it take you to pour over that 400 pages and really digest that information? I mean, it was like a immediate thing with your background in programming or did you, did it still take some time? Cause my understanding is that a lot of developers, that would be part of that deadline, you know, the Saturn, they'd slam down the documentation and say, here, learn the chips. Whereas with the with the PlayStation, a lot of those third party devs would just be, you know, here's a graphics library, here's a software development environment, learn that, you know. Um, and I'm just wondering, how long would it take to learn that one chip? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking at the documentation and it, it's not 400 pages, it's actually 163. <laughs> so um, it's actually the VDP two one that's actually really long. That one oh, is gotcha. um, that one is four hundred pages, like four twenty two, I guess. Explains why nobody ever used that chip. VDP two <laughs> yeah. is weird. Yeah, and I, well, I've VDP personally... two was the VDP two was the original chip that the Saturn was designed with. Yeah, and in the eleventh hour, when they caught wind of the PlayStation specs, you know, that's when they kind of went back and said, okay, we need to add in VDP one so we can draw sprites till the end of time. You know. And, and generate these textured polys, you know, to be able to compete with the PlayStation. But in the time that it took them to retool 
the board with that extra chipset, they weren't able to use that time to build a decent graphics library or anything. So they lost that time. So they basically just slapped a huge documentation on these developers' desks is what was my understanding. Yeah, and you can really you can really see that too because the VDP one, you would never want to render stuff the way this thing renders. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, there is no 3D in in VDP one. And all it's doing is is just scaling and rotating sprites. So, mm-hmm. and it's just uh, creating an illusion of 3D that way. So it's um, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's pretty cool that it can do that. It like so fast. It can do that with that you know so many sprites that fast and get away with it but it is a it is an interesting chip and for me like as a programmer that's why i found it fun to read this because i'm like wow this is so different you know this is so weird what makes the playstation 3d though like if it when it really gets down to it we're just talking about 2d images drawn on a crt that presents the illusion of perspective so what makes the playstation real 3d from what I understand, PlayStation can actually render a polygon as a polygon, like a triangle, and it can actually just map textures like across multiple polygons and that with multiple whereas faces. The Saturn can't do that at all. Exactly. So if you have a, a sphere and you want to draw a baseball, you could map a baseball texture across all of those faces as one, whereas the Saturn would have to draw individual sprites for each facet, correct? Yeah. So I don't know how the PlayStation worked in detail. But, you know, I know it did triangles and usually the way 3D hardware works is that you you give it a list of like vertices, you know, like let's just take a simple example, like you're rendering like a box, right? So you're going to, you just give the GPU like a, 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 a list of vertices and, mm-hmm. um, you know, like some transformation matrix, like, okay, like this is how I want you to um, transform all this stuff and, and it's going to use this texture, right? Um, and that's it. It's, it's going to draw it for you, right? But on the Saturn, there's there's no such thing. You're you're just rendering individual sprites, right? So for each sprite, you're saying like, okay, here's the texture that I'm using. Here's the palette that I'm using. Here's like all this other stuff, right? Um, so right. it's like this giant waste of memory because you're doing it for each and every single like part of this object that you're drawing, right? Whereas mm-hmm. usually you're just you just have like a couple of calls that you're doing to the GPU and yeah, like on the Saturn you're just running sprites. Speaking of Saturn versus PC, I just want to chime in. Um, when we were doing the PC script, we were just working off basically one really long WordPad doc, and Noah came up with a much better format that basically saved us probably months if not years of time because he had a document of everyone's picture and an avatar and the associated line connecting to them so i don't know how he did that but if it's connected to the saturn then that made our lives infinitely easier (laughs) yeah that goes back to one of the early things that i did when i started this was i extracted all the text and then i was i was pouring through the files just one of the things that i really wanted to do while i was you know going through this was i really wanted to understand the file formats for all these things like what exactly is going on in these like how are they laid out you know how's the game reading all this stuff um and until i kind of like really knew how each file worked like what the format was like i wasn't satisfied so i kept doing it and eventually i realized that one of the files actually contained the face images for all the characters that were going to be speaking in a certain scene and then there was another part which actually pointed to which portrait is it going to be using right so once i figured that out I was actually able to create this spreadsheet that had like a picture of the character that was speaking and, you know, the line that they were uh, speaking. So 
uh, the problem was there was, you know, these files were pretty big. I think some of the bigger files had like 1,400, 1,500 lines in them. Trying to put all those images into Excel or Google Docs didn't really work. I couldn't figure out any way to actually do that, like just import that many images at once and, uh, you know, put them into these cells. So I ended up rolling my own solution like online where, you know, we'd have the picture, we'd have the Japanese text and then a place for the translator to write the translation. And then it was kind of cool because there's a lot of shared lines in this game, right? There's like, I think there was about like 35,000 lines of dialogue in here. And about half of those were just duplicated, right? Across all these files. So uh, one of the things I was able to do was, you know, if someone translated one line and that line also appeared in like any other file, then it would automatically get filled in. So that saved a bunch of time because, you know, no one had to translate that line like, you know, 20 different times. I don't program. So a lot of what I'm hearing sounds super complicated. But if someone out there who's listening wants to say, hey, I'm going to do a Saturn translation myself, over and above the translating of the text, like extracting it, translating it, and sticking it back in, what are the things do they have to consider or think about? So really, it's kind of different for every game. So like, for example, with like I had mentioned earlier with Grandia, I got really stupid lucky. The text is all completely uncompressed. The English text is stored in ASCII format. It has it supports single byte encoding, so you don't need to change anything special there. The Saturn version actually has a perfect English font already in the game that's in ASCII format, so you can just put ASCII formatted text in there and it'll just print it just fine. Whereas with, I'm sure Noah will tell you, like for Sakura Wars, it's completely different. It's kind of crazy with how it works. Yeah, so the thing that all games have to do when you're patching it is you have to find out where is the text data stored and then you have to figure out like what format it's in. Once you kind of know those things, you have to write some sort of tool to extract the data for you. And then usually what happens is that when you insert it back in, the translation is not going to be the same size as the original text, right? So like Japanese, like kanji is a symbolic language. So they might just have like one letter or two characters for general or something like that. Whereas in English, you know, it's it's multiple characters. So when you put that back in, you're going from like, you know, one character or, you know, or two characters to much more. So usually what happens yeah. is that that ends up offsetting all the other data in the game. And basically what every game, th the way it works is that there are going to be hard-coded offsets somewhere that says like, okay, you know, like 10 bytes down, you're going to find the next line or something like that, right? So you're going to have to, you know, fix those too. And in order to fix those, you have to find where all those addresses are stored. So that's usually the part that's really painful. If you don't do it right, it's going to crash your game. You know, if, if even if you have a single bit that's off, it's going to crash your game, possibly, or just give you corrupted data. Yeah, not, not to even mention the uh, the actual text and the menus itself and the, the actual text box. I remember playing it, yeah. the game and seeing, like, just barely reaching the, the bottom of the, the text box for some of the character dialogue. Right, and then, like, I can kind of comment on that a bit, too, with the length. One I ran into with Grandia is, for the English PlayStation version, they actually for a lot of the cities and that that have a ton of NPC dialogue, they actually split the files into two different files. And depending on how far you are in the game, it would load a different file. And the Saturn version and the Japanese PlayStation version didn't have that because they didn't, they could fit all the text in the one file. So for Grandia, at least I had to re reverse engineer and put that logic back into the Saturn version. So it could have the two different files and work the same way. Wow. 
Yeah, so I'll also add that as far as, you know, how much had to be reprogrammed, it kind of goes into this because in total, there are probably 150 to 200 spots in code that I had to change in order to do various things. So one of the things we ran into eventually, CJ can comment on this as well, is the English script ends up being really big. So when we tried putting all that translation back into the game, the file size just was too big to actually fit into memory, essentially. So my original plan was like, well, let's just, you know, go and edit these lines and cut down the translation and make it fit. But it was like way over, like 10,000 characters over. And the only way we were going to be able to make it fit was if we totally butchered the translation. We really didn't want to do that. So Esper Knight actually gave me a suggestion. He had apparently done this in some other title that he worked on. Because the way Sakura War works is that for each character, there's a two-byte lookup. If you're going to say hi, right, H-I, that's actually going to be four bytes, right, the way this game stores it. Because the way this game works is that each scene has a font sheet, right? You can imagine it's like a giant image with, like, a ton of kanji characters in there, right? There's There was, like, um, hundreds, right, like 750 uh, or more characters. So in order to, you know address all those you need at least two bytes right because with one byte you can only do 255 or 256 but in english you don't you don't have a, such a large font sheet right you only have like 26 characters right and then you do capitals and lowercase but still you, you don't even have 255 characters so what we were able to do here was convert the format so it's only one byte right now it basically it shrunk that data down by half so now we had like a ton of space to you know you know to put all this translated text into but in order to actually make that work that required fixing up like the code in the game right that actually reads this data because the game is expecting this data to be in a two-byte format and the headers that are in all these files are expecting things to be in a certain format right so all that code had to be modified so you basically the, the way that works is you have to step in the debugger and you have to see like hey where is the game reading these values and wherever it's reading these values you have to change the assembly so it's instead of reading two bytes it has to read one byte and that's actually a lot of places that was a lot of work but it was worth it because otherwise you know we would have butchered the script yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I'm really glad that you guys didn't sacrifice on the script that, and that you sought out, you know, creative means of finding a different solution because I guess that goes to show that there is a huge ocean between just doing a simple translation and putting it up on game FAQ and actually, you know, sticking this stuff into the game. And like Trekkie said, it varies from game to game. So I think that in your guys' mind, you know, most of the time you're just trying to you're happy if it just works and it doesn't crash the console, you know? Uh, yeah. And that, and that's kind of like, you know, that's a success in and of itself. And then, like, from what I understand, moving forward, you have plans, ongoing plans to polish the translation you know, as you go along. But, I mean, you guys are just happy that that you have it running and, it, and that it doesn't bug out, you know? So, uh, yeah. and it sounds like that's a huge challenge which, with each one of these projects because it, they vary so differently and they, each one has their own characteristic of problems. But I'm just wondering, like, are there any specific things that you want to focus on with Sakura Wars in regard to polishing this up and releasing, like, revisions to this? By and large, like, we're lucky that we had very good translators. So there's very little changes we actually had to make because the base script was really good. By and large, we just did touch-up work here and there. 
In my opinion, one of the few changes that I would have liked to make in a future effort is Koran speaks in Kansai accent, which is for the unfamiliar. That's basically a backwater region of Japan where they speak in a very unusual, off-kilter dialect. And they did Kansai accent as like a southern kind of thick accent, which it really wouldn't work because it's just, it's not appropriate. But so we can't have Koran talking like, yeah, y'all, what's up? It would be really bad, especially since she's a character from China. But on the other hand, we don't want her talking like, you know, shampoo where she's like you know broken english so we wound up just playing her straight i kind of wish we could have given her a little more personality somehow but you run the risk of making her into a caricature which we really don't want to do so yeah gotcha. you should have totally give erica like a more french stuff like um oscar from uh New- oh Even god Go- yeah sacra wars 2 we've already discussed that if we were to do that and this is just strictly hypothetical if we were to do that it is such a big can of worms because it's not just the French characters. There's characters from all over the place in Sacro Wars 2. There's, I've seen quite a few people enraged by us putting Mon Frere for Onichan. And I've had people tell me that's the best change we've ever made. So yeah, I'll ig- go with ignore, that. Ignore the yeah. haters. That, do stuff like that. That stuff to me is awesome. Mon Frere is definitely much better than what we had originally, I believe. I kind of agree. <laughs> yeah, when I first started beta testing, I was playing it and Iris was calling Ogami Uncle Itchy. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so what we actually did was, um, I'm a member of a Toho scene that has like a board for every nationality. So I went in the French board and I was like, hey, we've got this young girl who calls her elder a certain thing. How would you do it in French? And they were like, mon frere. And I'm like, okay, let's go with that. So that's vetted by French speakers. I think it was uh, Matatabi, I believe, first suggested doing that. That was a very good suggestion. Yeah, I thought that was a super clever solution. That, that really works well. It was one of the better last-minute changes, kind of last-minute changes that we made, but it really worked out, in my opinion. I think we were originally going to keep it as Uncle Itchy, and then I got to Chapter 4, where you're going on that date with Iris, and every couple of seconds she's going, Uncle Itchy, Uncle Itchy, Uncle Itchy, and I'm like, this is just... <laughs> we yeah, need that's to change creepy. This. this is not <laughs> yeah, going to work. Into, you get into funny uncle territory, and that's... Yeah, a real creepy uncle kind of stuff going on here. When she's saying Onichan every five seconds, that's kind of creepy too. So maybe we're being faithful. But at least Onichan is like an established anime cliche thing. Like Uncle Itchy is like an extra special kind of weird, I guess. <laughs> that's the creepy uncle. Exactly. cliches, as we all know. So there actually is one translation thing I actually had a question on. For people that aren't familiar with the game, a little bit in the beginning, he realizes that it's an assault troop instead of an assault troop. Like, you know, yeah. a... a, a oh, yeah like a troop of theater versus a troop of people that attack people is that a, it was a clever translation but was it similar in japanese or was that a localization to try to yeah it's a localization if um someone's welcome to correct me on this but i believe the way it works is the tegeki don is actually something that can be read two different ways and ogami thinks that you know he's going to a command squad and it turns out they're actually a theater troop and he says look at the kanji above my head and it actually says Tegeki Don, like we're a theater troop, not we're an assault troop. So we went back and forth several ways on how to do that in English. It's actually, it's a really clever pun in Japanese. And so um, we did go back and forth, like basically the entire time we were translating this. I think we originally going to go with Imperial Combat Review because I think that's what they call them in Project Cross Zone or whatever. 
Yeah, I think it's so long, my love, they call him that. Yeah, I think it's Yeah, and it kind of loses the pun, but we really wanted the pun in there. Um, So we thought that troop, troop, like the spelling difference was a really good way to resolve that. Oh, yeah, that was, I thought that was a really clever change. Other than that, is there any other Easter eggs or funny bits that, you know, were added to the localization? We tried to keep everything pretty faithful, at least I did when I was translating my parts. I know, like, CJ joked about how we should add in a joke ending for Iris. Like, if you take Iris as your favorite girl. <laughs> yeah, um, originally the cutscenes weren't subtitled, and we had a translation doc to do the cutscenes, and I'm glad we didn't do this, but I put in a little joke. We were going to have a picture of Chris Hansen right above her translation. Oh, God. But, yeah, by and large, we kept the script very straightforward. You know, it's a very straight script. There's not much joking or fourth wall breaking. So, you know, there would have been a working designs translation, not to throw Victor Ireland any shade, because I have a lot of respect for him, but it would not be appropriate to sacrilege. We all agreed on that. We did, the mini games have very clever titles, like um, From Russia with Spice, I believe, was uh, Maria's, and some of those are really fun. Yeah, the thing with those, they were all like puns, right? One of the one of the titles was actually a reference to Oh My Goddess, like the anime. I think that was like the one where you're finding all the kids, right? Oh, yeah, but didn't it say like Oh My God or something like that? Yeah, I can't remember. Like the way the Japanese is written, it could be interpreted as like something to do with children or, you know, like Oh My Goddess. Uh, you mm. know, I'm not good at Japanese, so I don't know how that works, but that's how it was. Um, so we, we had to figure out like how do we keep a pun in there you know, to still reference something like some show. So we we actually went with all my children. I think it's all my children is what it says. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I remember that now. Uh, but the other ones were like that too, like the flying fish. That's like the swimming one. That was a reference to like some famous Japanese swimmer, apparently. Oh wow, that's a deep cut. Yeah, I gotcha. As far as fixing. Like, the, you know, the next patch that'll come out. There's basically, like, two main tech bugs that are still there. One is that the lips don't move on the voice scenes. All right, so, like, the character that's on the screen, their lips are supposed to be, like, lip-synced with the Japanese. And that doesn't work with the patch. So we plan to fix that. And it's funny because when I was actually working on the game, I didn't even notice that the original game did that at all. It wasn't until, like, way later when we were actually testing the game that, you know, Lentils was like, hey, you know, these lips aren't moving and they move in the original game. And I was like, are you really in the Saturn game? They move. <laughs> um, yeah. So and then I was thinking like, oh, why would that be? And then I kind of like figured out what would cause it. I'm like, oh, in order to fix this, that would touch like every single like sequence in the game. And I'm not going to touch that at this point because there'd be like you'd have to retest entire. So we do plan to fix that because that was another one of those like reprogram kind of things where it was a bit of work. And then the other one was there's like a glitch during the battles, right? When you get hit. Um, so I do plan to fix that at some point. And that also goes back to like the reprogramming part because the battles were actually a big pain to do because the original Japanese menus are really small. Like it, there's a 16 by 16 character for, you know, like the base thing, like attack, move. It's actually one kanji character. And then when you select it, then there's two kanji characters. Then it's 32 by 16. All right. So there's there's no way that we you know you could do that any you do an English translation any justice with those restrictions. So I had to expand that. So when you grow them, you have to actually shift all the other sprites that are loaded. You know all the Macs and all the like the the mouse cursor and all the menus, like everything. It basically gets loaded in into memory 
afterwards, right? So you basically have to shift those addresses in all the spots where the game is, you know, referencing them. Definitely not reactive like it is today. It's mostly hard-coded sizes, right? Yes, they're hard-coded sizes. Like, And that was another thing with this game where, you know, you could kind of see where they really took some shortcuts. Because it's funny, like, these sprites, the game does store, like, the data stores the sizes of them. It's like, hey, this is a... 16 by 16 image and you know like when i patched it i'm like okay now mine 48 by 16 or whatever and i was really hoping that the game would be smart enough to look at that and be like okay push everything else down but it doesn't have those load addresses are hard-coded so when i originally expanded the menus everything in the battles was completely broken so there was a lot of work to you know shift everything down find all the spots and fix those pointers um and i guess that was one that i just missed you know like as i was saying like everything in the battle is broken so eventually i got to a spot where i'm like oh it's all working you know like i'm moving the mech i'm doing hack everything's working and the one thing i didn't test was getting hit so that bit got left but again like towards the end of the project when lentils pointed that out i was like well unfortunately i don't really have the time to fix that right now so Anyways, that's another thing that we plan to fix. We kind of found as we were poking around at the game, in some places, kind of coded in a rather sloppy way. Whereas, like, for contrast with Grandia, what Noah's saying, like, how Sakura Wars doesn't kind of read all of its pointers and that and react in the same way you would expect it to, in other ways, like, Grandia does do that. So it really depends on how the game is programmed and how much time they ha- the developers had to do it a certain way. And I mean, I think Grandia was baked a little longer. Like, this was, Sakura Wars was an earlier game, right? Also, from what I understand, the development team originally started with one team, and then they weren't happy with their work, and they eventually scrapped all their work and started over. So the development team had basically two different versions of the game, and they were sort of starting everything from scratch halfway through development, from what I understand. Uh, Yeah, and I think also uh, Sega came in, like, towards the end and was just helping them directly to try and get as much of it done as quickly as they could right yeah well i will appreciate if you guys are able to work on the sinking of the lip it was my understanding that that was actually one of the fine points of the game you know like that that was kind of like a selling point back in the day is that the lips moved a lot more than like your typical anime because they had such a laser focus on getting like stage actors for this thing you know people with voices that project and that are kind of melodious you know so and then they wanted the they actually wanted the animation of the mouths to like really move and be lifelike, you know. So that would be something that would I think add collateral to the to the patch. But yeah, yeah, the production value of the game is very high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you look at other games that came out around that time, it's basically like the character will just make generic lip flaps when they're talking, and then they won't move their lips when they're not talking, if or if there's like a pause. But if you look at the lip flaps in like Soccer Wars. Literally every single character is making the exact mouth shape that they're supposed to make for like each syllable. And even the text, I believe, like originally was like drawn on screen like the minute they were saying that syllable. So everything yeah. was like originally like very perfectly in sync. What are the next projects you guys want to work on after Sakura Wars? Is there any other projects you want to work on? I know that you just talked about want to do some of the uh, cleanup on the patch for the original this one. Yeah, so as a team, we've discussed it, and it seems like everyone has their own idea. So we haven't like come together as a team like, hey, let's all work on this particular thing. I think if anything, whatever project really picks up traction next, you know, that person, like whether it's CJ or me, whoever, would probably just ask the other people on the team like, hey, um, do you want to help out on this? And at that point, that sounds if, best. 
if they're available, they would. I personally, if I could work on any other project after this, there's a Saturn game called Assault Suit Lanos 2. It doesn't seem like it's a very big game text-wise. So I'm like, oh, you know, it might be much easier to do based off of, you know, how all the data is stored. But it's just the gameplay itself is pretty cool. Is that like a sequel to like Cybernator or what it was on the Genesis, I think? I think so. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that always looked like a cool game. You guys should swoop in and uh, help Cyber Warrior X finish Princess Crown. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I yeah, actually... I think they're almost done, I think, yeah. Yeah, uh, Sam I Am, the translator for that project, was recently posting on romhacking.net that they're making a lot of progress and kind of getting towards the finish line. I think they still have some stuff they need to work out. It was like a month or two ago, yeah. Oh, Sakura Wars has done Princess Crown, I think is the new white whale for the Saturn, so that's been... People um, well, been yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got a couple of white whales for the Saturn, personally. I know he's been dealing with some personal stuff. Yeah, everybody we've been talking, like all the Saturn fans, oh, Princess Crown, all these videos, like, when's Princess Crown coming out? And it's like like a demand for it, so I'm hoping that's the next big one, because I really want to play it now, because I love Atlas. Yeah, with with me personally, I want to try and get uh, Grandia finished, and then I'll probably end up helping uh, Miss T and Mr. Conan out with Lunar Silver Star Story. They're also doing Magical School Lunar, I believe. Oof, I can't wait to play those two. I'm a big Lunar fan, so I'm going to be very happy to get my hands on those ones. I never played the school one. Is it kind of like those, the typical anime school thing? I've played it, and it is very much a classic Lunar game, but it's very much a stripped-down game. Like, you're in a school, there's a dungeon, go there, get thing, go back to school. It's it's a very stripped-down game, but it definitely has that Lunar charm to it. So if you like the Sega CD Lunars, it was done by Studio Alex before Game Arts destroyed them. So it's very much a classic Lunar, for better or for worse. But it has the highest random battle rate in any game I have ever seen. So keep that in mind. Like you can literally walk a step and get another battle, and then another step and another battle. It's absurd. To the point where I think Miss T said that she was thinking of modifying it to make it less ridiculous. And I don't think, I think everyone would agree it's for the best. Playable. Yeah, I know they did on the PS1 version, at least when they came in the U- to the U.S., well, Trekkies, you could help the MPEG version of reality too, right? The complete. Well, so so Miss T is working on that as well. Basically, the one snag that she ran into, and I was helping her poke around at it, is most of your modern MPEG one encoders today do not make MPEG videos that are perfectly white book CD compliant. Mm. So Lunar Silver Star Story Complete is expecting things to like 100% adhere to that white book standard. So there's just a couple things that your modern encoders just don't do correctly, which she said it's not hard to do. She just needs to find the time to write a tool to do it. And then that's kind of another interesting topic just to kind of go into, because I put the subtitles on the cutscenes for Sakura Wars. I've had a couple people ask me a lot like, okay, so now you can do it on Grandia, right? And it's, well, no. No. Part of the problem there is since the Saturn didn't really have a standard hardware video decoder or hardware that came in every single system, every game is kind of a little bit different and they use different software encoders. So Sakura Wars just uses standard Saturn Synpack. So if you know how to encode that, you can do it. Like the only thing that was really hard for me with that was I had to set up an old Mac OS 9 environment to do it. Once I had that done, then it wasn't really that hard. Whereas with Grandia, it uses a completely custom format that no other Saturn game uses. Like it honestly looks like they tried to maybe do a software implementation of the PlayStation's motion JPEG maybe, but it's just completely bonkers. And I know very little about the actual algorithms behind video encoding to kind of reverse engineer it. Wasn't the PlayStation one done afterwards though? Yes. 
But it, like I said, it looks almost like Game Arts tried to create something similar to how PlayStation 1 encoded videos on the Saturn for Grandia is almost like an experiment. It's like the, the frame rate of the videos isn't very high. It's like maybe 12 to 15 frames per second. Yeah, I think another problem you run into with uh, adding subtitles to Saturn games is when you extract the videos, unless you have like a higher resolution you know, source, you know, you lose so much fidelity. Um, garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> Yeah, like worse garbage out, right? Worse, yeah. Can't use the original compressed files. You got to try to find the source, you know? Right. So we were really lucky with this project because this game has been ported to like, you know, so many different platforms and they all had a much better video quality. So we took the PC version. And I, th I think actually like the, the patch version of the video actually shows more of the image than the original Japanese version did on the Saturn anyway. Right, because for the uh, original Saturn versions, they kind of pushed into the image a little bit, so they're a little more zoomed in. Whereas for the PC versions, they're kind of like the full original aspect ratio, so you get a little more, which I didn't do that. I didn't replicate that pushing in when I re-encoded the ones I did. Yeah, we were like looking at a couple of different versions of Soccer Wars 1 and trying to figure out what the aspect ratio for those cutscenes originally was. Because it seems like every version of the game, you can see slightly different information on the frame. Would be great if they could actually release a like a, a remaster, a re-release on some console and just use the high quality video of that. But more than likely the cells are probably given away or in the garbage or something. Yeah, I would love it if like M two or somebody did that. That'd be awesome. Do like a Sega Ages thing. It's kind of ironic, though, like when you guys are thinking about projects like dream projects, it, it seems obvious to go for exclusives, right? You know, because those are the games that people want to play on the Saturn, right? But at the same time, from a programming standpoint, it's also kind of appealing to go after the game that was released on another console and you can poke at it and see how it works, right? Because that, that gives you a little bit more insight into, like with, with Grandia, you, you had a lot of that work done on the PlayStation where it's able to bring it over translation-wise. So it's, it's kind of ironic. You want to do, there's the Princess Crowns where it was locked to a certain system, you know, but uh, it's also appealing to go after projects that exist on other platforms so that you have more to work with, but, you know, there's not as much demand then. So my thought is kind of, for some of the stuff that I've worked on, is to kind of go for the low-hanging fruit just because you can kind of use that as a way to learn. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, for example, one I did recently for the Sega Extreme hacking contest was I made a translation patch for the Sega Ages, I Love Mickey Mouse, I Love Donald Duck collection, which is basically Castle of Illusion and Quackshot. So like the, the one thing that's kind of just funny with those is how those games got made on the Saturn is they're not emulation, they're actual ports. But what they're doing is they're loading the original Genesis ROM into RAM and then just referencing all the data from there. So like, for example, what's a bit funny with Quackshot is Quackshot on the Genesis, whether you're in Japan, US or Europe, it's all the same ROM. And it basically what language it loads up in is based on whatever the region jumpers are on the Genesis. And in porting it to the Saturn, they actually ported that logic over. Only it's basically it's looking for in the Saturn memory map in the place where if it was on a Genesis, that would be the region jumpers. So hmm. what's funny is like if you just put the value into the memory map into that part in RAM for what would be say hey this is a North American Sega Genesis, it actually boots up all in English all fine and happy. That's pretty funny actually. Wow. Reminds me like so you just had to like flip one switch to do that for Quackshot, and then there was like maybe one or two areas I had to rework a little bit, and that was for the map screen where it did all the stuff to render the map screen, but then it didn't know where to look for the text. So I had to change the hard coding pointers to point to where the actual English text was in the English ROM. 
And then for Castle of Illusion, though, I actually had to do some hacking to get the English uh, text into the Japanese ROM, just because those ones, they are actually completely different ROMs. Uh, we'll set, put a link to that patch so you guys can try that out as well. I think one of the um, really cool things about the Grandia patch is I think when Trekkies is done, it's actually going to be the best version of the game. Because, you know, like they recently released version on Switch and, you know, Steam and whatever it came out was. From what I understand, it was kind of a mess. I don't know how true that is. One of the filters they have on there, was it they use the bilinear filter or something? Well, it's not even that. The filter is hard-coded into the sprites for the HD Master. Like, you can't even turn it off. It's just, it's baked into the images. From what I've seen of it, part of me wonders if it's just some really hacked together PS1 emulator that's doing a couple flashy things here and there to render a couple parts in HD. Yeah. Just because there are certain things I've seen where it's like, it's classic PlayStation 1 looking. There's one shot I saw someone posted where they said, well, uh, look at this versus the Saturn. The texture was distorted. I'm like, I'd expect that on PlayStation, but on an HD console like the Switch, if they truly ported it and it's rendering correctly, you should not see that. And it's like classic PlayStation like texture distortion happening in HD on your Switch. Right. So Saturn version, you know, like just the Japanese Saturn version was, that was always better than the PlayStation version, right? For various reasons. But the patch, right. um, you know, from what Trekkies has told me, actually improves the Saturn version. It actually increases the resolution in certain places and I think adds translation in places or adds text in places where it wasn't there before, right? Well, so the resolution is basically for the map screen. Like the Saturn has a couple interesting resolution modes and the map screen uses the 352 by 448 interlaced mode. So it's kind of like this weird oblong thing which worked for the Japanese text, but when I put the English text in there, it looked really bonkers and distorted because it was basically cutting it and it was basically skipping every other pixel. What I said was like, okay, well, let's look at where it's writing resolution mode to use. And I changed it to use the full 704 by 448i interlaced mode. And that made it almost look like a Dreamcast game on the map screen. I just want to uh, ask Crutching Mouse, what would be your dream translation project to work on? Well, right now, I'm actually a really big fan of the Tales of series. Kind of the white whale of that series right now would probably be Tales of Destiny Director's Cut. Um, I know it's not a Saturn game, it's actually a PS2 game, but we've been wanting a translation of that game for a long time. And I think somebody was actually working on a patch a couple years back, but they just sort of stopped out of nowhere, and it was really disappointing. So I'm thinking of like just doing a translation guide of it, at the very least, um... I'd love to find somebody with programming skills who could actually help me make a patch of it. But yeah, that would probably be my dream project. I'd also be down for the next Soccer Wars game whenever you're ready to start Definitely. on it. <laughs> Definitely. I need, I need something to play after I beat the, the first one. You got Shin Soccer Wars coming out or next sometime this year. Oh yeah, the, the, the Project Soccer yeah. Wars game. Uh, I'm excited for that one. What, what would be your dream translation project? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't have a lot of power to make these happen. But some of the dream projects I've always wanted to see in English on the Saturn are um, Tenkai Machio and the Fourth Apocalypse, which is like a really it's like a yes. really goofy turn based RPG. The producer of the Soccer Wars series, uh, Oji Hiroi, is actually also the creator of the Tenkai Machio series, and it's like a similar sort of like takes place in a really weird, goofy version of America, and has like all these like really beautiful hand drawn graphics and stuff. And I'd love to see that in English someday. 
in terms of just some other dream things I'd like to see translated, there's also Linda Cube again on the Saturn, which is like a really weird, strange kind of Pokemon game where you're trying to get two of every animal and put them on like this Noah's Ark that also has like really cool artwork and stuff. And uh, back in 2018, I was like a super big fan of a game called 428 Shibuya Scramble. And um, that game is sort of like a spiritual sequel to a game on the Saturn called Machi, which is like Japanese for city. And that's like a weird kind of like visual novel where it's like just, you know, photographs of different locations in Shibuya and stuff like that. And like a choose your own adventure tech story on top of it. And I'd love to play that someday. Again, I don't have any power to make those happen, but that would be really cool. Um, I sort of have. Well, there's two sort of. There's one that I'm looking into someone to help me with. And I agree with Noah that it's good to have like a easy project after you do a big RPG like Sacker Wars. It's kind of like a palate cleanser to do a nice quick translation so on that front the one i'm looking for someone to help me with is last blade 2 which was on the neo geo dreamcast and it's currently on steam and it has a translation but the translation is terrible as last blade 2 is it specifically like the dreamcast port or all of them like the the neo geo all of them. the steam version uses the dreamcast translation they didn't change it at all which was really upsetting yeah, I'm even surprised because on the Neo Geo itself, it even has a translation of Twinkle Star Sprites baked in. And that translation is pretty good. I don't know why what happened with Last Blade 2, though. Like, for example, you'll have Hibiki, who's a very solemn, quiet character. Like, one of her wind cloaks is like, you know, Father, does this make you happy? And in the translation, she says, are you satisfied, Pops? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Oof, yeah, that definitely probably needed translation. But I love Neo Geo, so any Neo Geo translation projects I approve of. Yeah, Last Blade 2 is a beautiful game. Yes, it is, and it deserves a better translation to go with it because it has a really good story. Cool. Then uh, I've also had a couple people asking about doing Grandia Digital Museum, which the tools I've written should be able to parse the data out of it. The file formats are identical between it. It would just be I need to get a translator to do that part. What exactly is that? Is it like a like, just like a... Um... It's kind of like an expansion pack. Yeah, it's a lot of gameplay, like new locations, battles... It's like the Christmas Nights of Grandia. Interesting. Another one I've thought of doing is uh, there's the Grandia Prelude disc, which was kind of like a big demo, which, again, the script and everything is all in there for the demo part of it. So I thought it might be funny to try and put the script into there, which, uh, speaking of demos, Noah can probably speak of something interesting that he found in Sakura Wars. Yeah, actually, when we were doing the translation, one of the translators, he had pointed out, like, hey, you know, Tokyo Game Show text is in this file. And I was like, really? So as it turns out, they actually left the Tokyo Game Show demo on the shipped game. It's just not accessible, you know, on the regular game, but it's actually there. So I actually made a build and, you know, we had translated that file anyways. So it actually just works and it's pretty neat. It's really short. I don't know if there's any interest to have it out there, but I might eventually just release that patch too. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, and I'd, I had actually found poking around at it that when the demo's done, you can hack it to kind of just go right back to the title screen. Yeah, because that'd actually be kind of cool. Just add like an extra menu item, like extras, and it's like Tokyo Game Show demo. That would be very difficult to do. <laughs> but the way I have it working right now is like, you know, when you boot up the game and you do new game, it'll just go to the demo for you. I don't really know like how it played out. How did the demo play out? Did they have menu option for like a battle? And like for the story part, or did they have different builds? I don't know. Because when you actually play the Tokyo Game Show demo, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any battle in there or anything based off of just how the story plays out, right? 
But from like the footage that's out there on YouTube, just like little clips, you can see that people are playing a battle. So either they had a menu option to go to a battle or they just had a totally different build. So if I was to release this, you would start the game, you'd do a new game, and it would take you to the Tokyo Game Show demo, like the story part of it. And then basically the story part ends and it would just boot you back. To- yeah, because I know a lot of the games have the demo text and stuff in it. So it might just be like the text and extras that were added in an earlier build. Because you didn't see anything like any menu options or anything besides the, the text and stuff or the... Well, it might be there. The the, um, the, the secret menu option or whatever, uh, debug mode, it might be there. I haven't had a chance to look at it, but... Just having the game boot into the demo itself is very easy to do, right? You just you basically just have to rename a file and just do a build. Um, so it'll just boot into that file instead of, you know, the regular one. And then it'll just play out the game as it does. Does it stop anywhere? Like, is it like after like a couple no. text options, it's like, thank you? Yeah, yeah. So at the end, like, it does conclude, right? It's like, oh, thank you. And, you know, look forward to, you know, September 26, 1996, right? Or something, whatever the game came yeah, I actually played through the demo, and it basically starts like the beginning of the game. It only it says like, hello, welcome to Tokyo Game Show and stuff like that. And then when you go to the theater and start exploring stuff, you can actually meet characters you couldn't originally meet in the first chapter, like Kana and stuff like that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and then... Yeah, and then like if you walk around, you can... If you go backstage, like the cutscene where Sakura trips Sumir plays out. If you go into the actual theater, the one where Sakura trips and takes out the whole stage plays out. And then, like, it basically ends once an alarm goes off. The Oh, no, the enemy's showing up. And then everyone gets ready for battle, and it plays, like, the CG cutscene of the mechs getting ready. And then it kind of ends after that, and it's like, oh, look forward to Soccer Wars. It's got action. It's got romance. It's like, <laughs> it basically just sells you on the game after that. Yeah, no, that's, that's all really cool stuff, and I love to be able to play that myself. And I imagine everyone else would like to play it as well, just, just to see the, different, the differences, especially if they're huge Sakura Wars fans. Do you guys have any messages for, you know, the folks now that are enjoying this game in English? Is there anything that you'd like to pass on to the fans? I mean, thanks for, you know, downloading and playing it. And I hope everyone enjoys it. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a ton of work. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that there is so much response from the community. Like, I, uh, I was kind of blown away. You know, my Twitter was actually, like, blowing up for a couple of days after I released it. And, you know, I had no idea that there were even so many Soccer War fans out here considering the games never, you know, they never really came out here so just want to say thanks and you know lots of people have been following this and kind of letting me know throughout the whole process that they were excited and you know cheering me on so you know that really kept me going because there was times where i did feel like giving up with certain things or the whole project in general but you know that kind of kept me going so um thank you and you know enjoy the game didn't you say like after like the first few days we were at like five thousand downloads yeah, yeah, the first, I think I checked the first 12 hours, it updates every 12 hours or something, and it was like 770 downloads, I was like, wow, that's a lot, right? And then the next, like in the next 12 hours when I checked, it was like 5,200 something, I was like, whoa, um, and now it's um, very, very close to 9,000. Uh, what about some of uh, the other folks, Trekkies, anything from you? I mean, just thanks and enjoy it, I guess. I, I'd say probably like one of the things I found that really kind of made me a bit happy was, uh, the amount of people for the next episode previews think they were always that way. A crouching mouse. Thank you for playing. I really, really hope that you enjoy it, um, especially after waiting for God, 23 years. I know Soccer Wars fans have been 
searched for content for a long time. So yeah, we worked really, really hard on it. Those guys on the programming and us on the translation. So um, I hope it comes through and you guys enjoy it. Bowl of lentils, anything you'd like to pass on to the fans? Uh, yeah, I, I'm just going to repeat what everybody else said and said thank you everybody for playing the patch. And But the thing that made me really happy is that I feel like Soccer Wars has been this kind of thing where a lot of people wanted to check it out because of the anime and other adaptations that have come out in English. And like they're just like, oh, I don't want to dig up a guide though, so I'm never going to play it. And I feel like having this patch just makes it a lot more accessible now. This will be their first step into checking out the whole franchise and stuff. So I'm really happy this is available in English mm-hmm. now. Good timing too, by the way, guys, because that because the Project Core Wars just came out in Japan, and your right. patch yeah. came out this month, so it was like a consolation prize almost. It just kind of worked out that way. I think more people played our game than Shin Sakura Wars, <laughs> judging by the sales. Oh no, the sales are pretty good from what I <laughs> yes. saw. It's already sold better than Sakura Wars Five did in its whole lifetime. Oh yeah. wow, I thought it wasn't doing too well. I think corrected. 130,000 units, right, on the first day, which is huge for Japan because, like, their console games don't sell at all. Last time I checked, it was, like, 160,000 copies in terms of physical copies sold so far. So it's doing pretty all right. I know we did better in the U.S. So Probably definitely the U.S. We were... Uh, I don't know. There's some, there some hardcore importers out there. Yeah, I've seen some people on some of the Saturn forms playing it as well. It's like, how are you going to enjoy this game? We were actually planning to, or really trying hard to release the patch on the same day. But we, um, two things. Like, first I got kind of like cold feet. I was like, oh man, I hope, I hope we don't like, you know, take off someone like the lawyers at Sega. Cause you know, today of all days, they're going to be like reading, you know, Twitter and all the, all the, all the media to see what the reactions are. And they'll see us doing this and might like take them off. And the, the other thing was that at the last minute, I was like, you know what? I think we can actually patch the uh, intro logo. So we actually um, delayed the, the release a few days to to do that. And um, that worked out really well. And huge thanks to Trekkies for that because I got it part of the way. and But, you know, it was it was kind of broken. And, you know, he was really able to figure out some of like the crazy VDP2 stuff that was going on there. Yeah, CJ was really pushing for that. Yeah, it's, it kind of starts as a VDP2 background then like, when it does the flashes on the title screen, that's when it snaps over and turns into yeah. sprites. Yeah, so we, we almost had a day and day, but oh well. It, it was better holding it off. And the title screen's really nice. It came out really well. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. It's amazing. Speaking for Shiro, I just want to thank you guys so much for all the hard work and effort you did on the game. I absolutely love it. Uh, Claire, uh, Claire or other Shiro that wasn't here today loves it. We're both massive fans of the game, and I'm finally glad I can play an English translation of on the Saturn, just kick back, relax, and uh, enjoy some dating sim slash RTS slash visual novel action on my Saturn. So it's good to at least have one on there next next to uh, the uh, uh, Revolution Girl Utina. So it's good to have more of those on there. I love visual novels, so thank you very much. Yeah, you guys did an awesome job. Like It was so cool. And Sakura Wars is a game that I've got sitting on my shelf in Japanese, the first and the second one. I've had them for a long, long time. And I've never really given them a chance because to dive into a game that's in Japanese, I have to really give it time and effort and I have to really dedicate myself to it. And I just haven't had that that time. And so now that the patch is out, I'm way more likely to do that. So I know Pat's played the game. I know Claire's played the game. I've never played Sakura Wars. And so this is just a beautiful time for me to jump in. So just kudos to you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, thanks you guys for hosting us and uh, also making like the video, you know, and releasing it at, and having it ready for you know the same day as the as the patch. That was 
really cool. And I know you guys also made like videos showing um, like how to actually patch the game for a lot of people having troubles out there. So thank you for that. Yeah, between uh, you guys and Saturn Junkyard, you've been very good cheerleaders for uh, translation products projects. Yeah, well, it's most it's it's mostly because we we love to see these things and we love people's passion for translating it, and we just really want to play these awesome games. So if we sort of herald them and sort of let people know these are out here, we can get more of them, I guess. And sort of thank you guys for the work. So it's like, I don't know. I, I love these 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 games we just never could play because we always lament in all the cast that, oh, we would have loved to play this game. But, you know, Sega of America thought, nah, we're not going to do that. So it's really great we can finally get all these games and we can sort of play these translations. Funny you mentioned that. I was going to touch on that earlier. There is, I don't know if there's any truth to it, but there is an urban legend that, Victor Ireland did want to bring Sacro Wars to the U.S. And Bernie Stolar, Mr. Anti-RPG, was the one who put the no on that. So it never happened. Whether that's a good thing or not, given how Victor Ireland localized, (laughs) I'll leave that to the jury. Yeah, I think I think I remember hearing that it was he wanted the there were uh, I think Red Company approached Victor Ireland in translating the Saturn version. But then Sega of America was during it was during that process that like year before the Dreamcast came out where they weren't really supporting the Saturn anymore. And so Victor Island was like, oh, we can't really do this because the Saturn's not really being supported in the U.S. anymore. So they didn't take that job. But yeah. It's it's a real big shame. We lost sort of a lot of games that way, like Police Knots, uh, Sakura Wars, several RPGs, and, and probably like the majority of the Japanese library we've never gotten or were even able to play. Rumor has it supposedly Sega of America at one point was looking into translating Grandia. How true that is, I don't know. Yeah, I remember that floating around back in the day for sure. Well, there was a huge petition for Grandia as well. Mm-hmm. Was that like a paper petition? Or it was a huge game. Was it like a mail-in thing? You know, I want to say it was online, but the time just it it would have been too, like it would have been ninety eight. So I'm not sure how true that it would have been online. I mean, I mean, it's possible, I guess, that it was online. I just can't. I don't remember. Mm. I don't recall. I, I just remember reading about it in like Next Generation and stuff, and and thinking, oh yeah, this is, you know, they seem pretty optimistic about it coming over on the Saturn early on, like when they were reporting about it. But then, of course, you know, things got pretty bleak pretty quick for the Saturn. So. So, like, one thing just to, as, like, a shout-out, like, if anyone, like, is afraid of getting into, like, fan translations and that, before I started poking around, like, at Grandia and uh, Lunar, I really knew nothing about this. So this has all been a learning experience for me. But there's nothing you can do that's going to really do anything horrible. The worst you can do is break it so you just undo it and start over. Yeah, totally. Um, mm-hmm. I, wish there were, I, I wish there were more people attempting Saturn translations because there's a huge... A library of Japanese Saturn games that need to be translated. So <laughs> I, I wish there were more yeah, people I working can. on that stuff. Biggest advice I can give to aspiring fan translators is, you know, find a game that maybe only you know about, something ultra obscure, and rather than say, oh, I wish someone would translate it, step up and go, hey, I want to make this happen. I can edit, I can translate, I can do artwork, something. Mm-hmm. Then assemble a team and make it happen. That's the best starting point you could hope for. One thing I'm hoping is that with the with the new Soccer Wars game coming out officially in English this year, I'm hoping that kind of builds up the fan base even more and maybe people will come in and start helping to translate the other games as well. Oh, man, I, ho- I hope an Awakening happens, like as Fire Emblem Awakening happens towards Sakura Wars and we can get, you know, all four of them 
translate and we can finally play them without using these giant guides. Yeah. Oh man, I would love to see I like Soccer Wars one and two and everything, but like Soccer Wars three on the Dreamcast is like definitely my favorite entry in the series. I would love to see that get translated. We'll have to bring in your family to do the voiceover work. <laughs> that would be crazy. You don't want to hear what my uh, voice was for the detective in that game. <laughs> Trekkies, you're, you're kind of stuck right now, right? With Grandia? Well, eventually I'm going to be stuck just because of the FMVs. Right. Is there a public service announcement you want to make? <laughs> I just need someone who understands video decoding and encoding who can kind of reverse engineer what's going on and possibly figure out the format. Right. Uh, just a quick question to wrap up. What is your favorite character or which character do you relate the most from Sakura Wars? And we'll start off with CJ. Probably no secret if you've seen my Twitter, but definitely Lee Koran. She's the clever one. She's the tinkerer, the inventor. She's also sassy. And if you've seen the, the joke ending she has, she also has a very dark, sarcastic sense of humor, which I like that about her. So, yeah, best girl, Lee Koran. Yeah. Respect. All right. Do you want to go, Noah? Actually, I have not played the game, so I don't know. Aside Wait, from what? playing the first chapter like a bazillion times to test it and make everything work, I have not actually played the game. I have no idea. What about you, Trekkies? Uh, probably Sakura. It's a safe choice? Yeah. Crouching Mouse? I think I'd probably agree with CJ. Uh, Koran's my favorite. <laughs> I like I like that she's funny. I like that she's kind of techy and nerdy. She's just really approachable, and I like that about her. Gotcha. Even though she keeps blowing herself up. That's <laughs> part of the charm. Fair. Yeah, she's she's pretty legit. All right, full lentils? Uh, well, when I first played through the game with my brothers, we ended up going with Kana's ending. I always really liked her because she's just like the big, tough, energetic character. This time around, I got Maria, and she's actually really interesting because she has this whole, like, like she was the captain of the troop originally, and then you come in and sort of replace her. And so you kind of have this sort of new captain, old captain relationship with her that I didn't really think about much when we first played it that I really enjoyed. And I actually got her ending in my first playthrough for the testing. And uh, so I really like those two. I also learned to really appreciate Sumeri this time around. She's sort of the jerk, always sassing back to you kind of character. But she actually has a lot of like a very strong sense of responsibility. I could I could bring up some examples, but it might spoil some things later on. But she was actually a lot funner character than I remembered when I first played through the game back in like 2010 or whatever. Yeah, I th- she's in the favorites for me. I just like her, how klutzy and how silly she can be sometimes, especially with the the beginning where she mistakes you as a the, the help. Yeah, or she like keeps on getting your name wrong and is just like, well, I'm just going to call you Ensign for now on. And then she never calls him anything else besides Ensign <laughs> for the rest of the game. What about you, Peter? Oh, like I said, I'm going to have to play the game to before I can answer that properly. So. Gotcha. Is it this? Um, I'll get back to you. Same for you, Dave. Uh, I would have answered Sakura probably, but uh, recently started playing a little bit. And Lee Kuran, am I saying that right? The girl with the glasses. Yeah. I think that she. Yeah, I I do like her character. I I do. You know, like Crouching Mouse was saying, she's an approachable character, and I like the fact that she's blowing herself up and stuff like that. You know, it, it's I can relate to that. Yeah, uh, I guess if I had to sort of pick one i do really like quran as well i think i think she's funny and wacky especially in the ova where she shows up with a giant bazooka i think in i think it's the second episode or something when they're starting to, to fight all the the creatures 
that was really funny. And uh, I guess besides that, probably Iris, just because I think she she's kind of interesting mm-hmm. character, especially with the whole psychic power thing. She's the little girl, right? She's or she's yeah. the blonde. Yeah. Okay. Like Iris would be a more interesting character if she wasn't constantly coming on to Ogami. <laughs> yeah, That's, that makes it a little bit weird, but I think she definitely she's definitely a fun character, and I think in um, Soccer Wars two she becomes a little bit like she's not coming on to Ogami quite as much in Soccer Wars two, and is just kind of off doing cute things and stuff instead. I think that about does it, guys. Thank you for coming on. Everyone on the Shiro team really appreciates you coming on and talking about the translation project and sort of the ins and outs. Cause I mean, we're at the end of the day, a lot of us are just consumers that sort of play what you guys are releasing and sort of and doing some testing, but it's kind of good to hear, you know, all the funny stories, all the effort, all the energy that was put into this translation project that now is going to be sort of immortalized in the Shiro archives for all time. You know, all the, all the people get playing the translation patch and having fond memories of Sakura Wars in English. So I can't really thank you guys enough for all your effort doing that. And it's great to finally be able to play a game I've been dying to play for years now. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, it was fun talking yep. with you guys. Yeah, thanks. Yep, definitely. Hopefully talk again sometime. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. So. See you again for the sequel. Thank you very much for listening, guys. And remember, you must play Sega Saturn. If we ever end up doing Soccer Wars 2, maybe I'll have to find like a, a soccer cosplay and we'll have to oh, film God. it or something. Right, well, uh, let me know. I look, <laughs> we'll, let me know. I look d- <laughs> we'll hire Sega to Centro. We'll get him to come yeah. to the American yeah. we'll film. Oh, I'm sure yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get, some, get some uh, f- GoFundMe going on for that.